Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by the new Squarespace. Squarespace introduces a new content management system, making it faster and easier to create a high-quality website or blog. Plus, they now offer mobile responsive designs with automatic device scaling and more than 50 other new features. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, go to squarespace.com TWIP and use the offer code TWIP1. This week on TWIP, Canon debuts new Experience Center stores, Google says it knows who the 16 most popular photographers are, Facebook gets into the search business, and an interview with Zenfolio's Ian Stone. It's Wednesday, January 16th, 2013, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today on the show, we're going to be diving into Canon deciding to throw their hat into the brick-and-mortar storefront arena. We're going to talk about Google's 16 most popular photographers in the world and kind of try to dissect how they got to that number. We're going to do a little social media update, and we have an interview with Zenfolio's director of marketing, Ian Stone. He's going to be talking about the recent acquisition of Zenfolio by Art.com. Joining me to discuss these topics and more are Mr. Don Komarechka and Joseph Lenashki. Hey, guys. Howdy, howdy. Hey, Frederick. Welcome back. Hey, Joseph, where where have you been? I, I think the last time you were on TWIP, you were single. <laughs> I don't think that's quite true, is it? <laughs> you were single. There was no facial hair. You know what? Wow. What that's is going all. on? Come on, it's been, it hasn't been that long. I think it's been what that long. I, I don't know what I've been doing. I actually haven't been traveling much. So I've been sitting right here in my little office uh, up here in Oregon, uh, fighting the snow. It's domesticated. Actually, oh, uh, domesticated. That's right. You're a house um, cat now. Meow. <laughs> 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 Then. Yeah, it just hasn't been a lot of travel lately. A uh, couple of big travel things fell through, unfortunately, so I've just been staying home and working here and working on Aperture Expert and working on local photography business. And how's that going? How's Aperture nice. Expert going? Going like gangbusters. We're actually talking about doing a complete site redesign, just ground up. I've kind of hit the wall. You know, it's two years old now, and yeah. I've pretty much hit the wall with Squarespace and what I can do with that. I love those guys, love what it is, but, you know, there's there's limits to it. Yeah. So I'm talking to a, a Drupal engineer who's oh. looking at doing a full-on ground-up, massive everything, and hopefully get all the features in there that I've wanted, that I've always wanted, that I couldn't you do. Should, you should talk to Don McAllister over at Screencast Online. I think he, I think his site is built on Drupal. So, oh, yeah? Yeah, you might want to reach cool. out to him. I will. And subscribe to Screencast Online while you're at it. <laughs> Just <to look> at. <laughs> and also, also over there with the uh, with the maple leaf flag on his lower third is Mr. Don Komarechka. Hey, Don, welcome back. Hello, Frederick. It's been so long. I know. It's been, what, uh, seven days exactly almost, right? Well, it's six because remember on uh, Thursday of last week, we did a little interview on macro photography. That's right. And, uh, and so you can find that on the uh, This Week in Photo website if anybody's curious uh, for that little thing. Yeah, that and, was good, uh, by the way. Thank you for doing that. Oh, no problem at all. Uh, tons of positive feedback on that. So thank you very much for uh, allowing me to do it. And over the past week, I've just been editing Snowflakes more and more and more every day, uh, continuing along with the Snowflake a Day project on Google+. So that's keeping me busy. That's cool. You're what are you, the what... Snowflake guy. Cool. That's me. <laughs> You're the Snowflake guy. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm known as. So, uh, and and it's it's been going really well. Uh, it continues to build up steam until the uh, project ends every year. So... Uh, today we just posted. I think the biggest snowflake I've ever photographed uh, went up today. So check the, back the to biggest? number. The biggest. It measures nine millimeters in diameter. Wow. And uh, that's about as big as they come. And uh, that's uh, number 47 in the series. So you can check that out. That is so cool. It's like, oh. you know, each one you post, I mean, we've all heard the whole thing about no two snowflakes <laughs> are alike. But, you know, each one you post is a work of art in and of itself. It's, a, it's amazing. And quite drastically different from all others, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at some that might appear on the surface to be similar, you, you get into all the fine details, and it's very organic. Like, you wouldn't ever find two trees that look the same. Right. Uh, and the same is true of snowflakes. 
That's great. Well, keep yeah. it up. Keep it up. You're you're entertaining me, so don't stop. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> that's what it's all about. Right? <laughs> that's why you do what you do, isn't it? Tom? Exactly. <laughs> Keep me entertained. Cool. All right, guys, let's jump into the news. There's a couple of interesting things to talk about today. The first thing is um, you guys may remember uh, the the retail chain Jessup's over in the UK went under and Canon, conversely, <laughs> decided that they're going to jump into the retail market, kind of doing following suit with what Apple did with the retail stores and Microsoft then did or Dell started. Remember? So... Canon's doing it now. So Joseph, is this? Do you do we need a, a like a retail store like this from a major camera manufacturer? Well, I don't know that it needs to come from a major camera manufacturer, but obviously that's the only way you can control the image, control mm-hmm. the message, and control everything else. So that's sure. why Apple did what it did, right? You could yeah. buy Apple products in a million places, but actually talking to someone who knew what the heck they were talking about was a pretty hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it, right? Because when you buy a camera, you really it's not the kind of thing that unless you know what you're buying, you don't want to just order it online sight unseen, especially if it's your first of a particular type. Uh, if you're trying to decide between, say, Canon and Nikon, you, you've got to get your hands on it. And a lot yeah. of people say that's one of the reasons a lot of people go with Canon or Nikon because, you know, let's face it, feature for feature, they're basically the same thing. Um, but a lot of people just love the way the Canon feels and a lot of people love the way the Nikon feels. That's a big part of it. I actually had a... Uh, Somebody I know from Google Plus, actually, or actually I think through Aperture Expert, but also knows me on Google Plus, who lives in town here, and I had mentioned some cameras that I've got on loan, and he was saying, oh, I've been, I've been wanting to get my hands on those cameras, and there's no storage anywhere around here where he can get his hands on them. He'd have to go all the way to Portland to do it. So would I mind getting together with him and letting him you know, play with the gear? Yeah. And it's just, it is important. People want to be able to get their hands on it. So but, I, you know, it. I, I totally, I, I get that piece of it, but where it, where it gets me is... I guess I guess it's the same with the Apple store and and other manufacturer stores, but particularly with cameras, I want to look at the different camera bodies and say, okay, this is the what are the virtues of the Canon this particular Canon body over this Nikon body and that sure. kind of thing, and that will of course never happen, you know, in, in right. the Canon store. Yeah, but it, we don't all live by B and H, right? And that's probably about the only brick and mortar store you can walk into and actually talk to someone who really, really knows what they're talking about and compare yeah. the cameras. And they'll spend as much time as they want as you want with them. Yeah. But that's just not normal camera store. Some spotty teenager who doesn't know anything and he's going, I don't know. Yeah. Even yeah. going to trade shows, I find that so frustrating. You go to Photokina, biggest photography show in the world, right? You go up to any one of these manufacturers' booths and you talk to the people, and most of them go, um, "Well, you can look that up on the website." Why are you here? Why did I fly fly all the way over here? Don, Don, is say one of these stores popped up in your neighborhood. You know, would you would this be your de facto place to go to to learn more about the particular camera that you wanted? Well, I, I would certainly check the place out. And if they were, I don't know if they're going to do this, but if I could get like um, really odd parts and things from Canon, like if I need a maintenance cartridge from a large format printer, I could walk in and pick one up or a focusing screen for a camera or uh, all assortments of lens hoods in stock and you can just walk in and get it. Mm-hmm. There's a convenience factor there, and Canon may be able to deliver on that. But I think if you look at the the problems with the retail space right now as far as camera stores go, uh, people may walk in uh, to get some valuable feedback, and there are still some people in the stores, although the majority of them, like you said, Joseph, don't really know what they're talking about. Uh, figure out, pick up the cameras, figure out exactly which one they want, and then go buy it online. Yeah. And you know what, as far as Canon's concerned, that's okay if they pick up the camera in the store and they don't buy it there because Canon's still going to make money on it. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe not as much. Way. What's that? I think that's the only way because I think for this store, it was reading the article, it was saying that, that you will still buy from the local resellers. Exactly. They're not there exactly. to sell it to you. They're just there to show it to you. So and it's a show I think and tell that that's sort. about, yeah, it's the only business model that I think could necessarily work. Um, now, I would still like to have a, a retail location where I could get more than just the experience. I could buy accessories. I could get the hard-to-find stuff. Um, and I, if, if they don't do that, then I don't have any reason to really ever go there. Uh, most of my uh, input and feedback comes from, you know, online, from friends right. that might have a camera or uh, just getting my hands on, on the gear in many other ways. Uh, yeah. Or I just look it up and I know it's exactly what I want. And most people do that too. So I'm trying to, I'm having a hard time with this. You know, last week we we talked about Polaroid jumping into the retail space Mm -hmm. and doing something very similar. And 
I just I don't see this retail space giving too much back to to the brands. But if you look at Canon and Nikon and Sony and Olympus and a lot of the other companies that are all fighting for attention, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, Joseph, the cameras are pretty much neck and neck. Uh, you'll get very comparable features no matter which camera you go and buy. And you can't really walk into uh, a, a retail store today or look online and buy a bad digital SLR. They're all so good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, right. Some are better than others. So so I, I could see this as just being one way that Canon has the ability to get somebody somebody's attention to have their name stick in their head by having you know a gigantic Canon billboard or a store in a mall and to have some sort of impression that will last all the way through to the time when they make the purchase. Uh, but that's quite a gamble because this venture probably doesn't come by cheaply for that's them. That's what I was so. going to say. This is not not cheap. We're talking what 6600 square feet expert staff on oh, it's hand. Huge. Yeah. Exhibits, interactive discovery tables. I'm just reading down the list here. A photo studio with the latest cameras and flashes, classrooms for seminars and presentations. I mean, I mean <laughs> you could do a lot online for that much money and that much rent every month and salaries and healthcare and all that stuff. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm on, I'm with you, Don. I'm on, I'm on the fence about yeah, I would love to walk into a store that's specifically devoted to photography and see all this stuff. And it reminds me of uh, when I was when I was stationed in Japan. We used to go into this store called Yodobashi Camera, and it was just like you'd walk in there and angels would sing, and you know, <laughs> everything was oversaturated and beautiful, right? You know, <laughs> and I I miss that kind of feeling. I mean, you can go online and shop all day long and buy it now. You know, but Amazon you, you get Prime that things. Feeling. Exactly. But you I get want that, that feeling. I want um, that feeling, but at, at the same time, I look at it from my adult head, and I'm like, okay, overhead involved with this. The fo- a lot of the photo retailers are shutting things down, and Kodak, yeah, Pinta- all this stuff is going on. Yet Canon is going to push forward on a on a retail distribution hub kind of thing. I don't know. Well, I was going to say, you get that feeling from B&H, uh, you know, when you yeah. can walk in and they've got, you know, uh, 500 different tripod heads for you to yeah. examine and yep. get your hands on from every different manufacturer and every camera that's currently made and, and every lens that's currently made. And you can, you can see everything from every bit of competition and make the comparison yourself. And you don't necessarily have that with this Canon initiative. And um, I think that might be the, the big deciding factor. They won't get a lot of foot traffic because people want to see what else is out there. Yeah. And uh, it's, they don't have the, uh, the, the market appeal that Apple would when people already know they're buying an Apple product. They just got to figure out exactly which one. Right. They just want to go that, touch it and make the final decision. Yeah, right? the brand loyalty I don't think is there with uh, with cameras these days, unless you've got a, an SLR and you've got some sort of commitment to it. Uh, but then you pretty much know what you're going to get next anyhow. You don't need to go and see it. Yeah. Well, Sony Sony also has retail stores as well. I've seen they're in local malls around my neighborhood. Yeah, um, and and they're they're dying. I mean, we've had one for uh, here for the longest time. I've never seen anybody in it. Yeah. I walk every time I've never gone in there. Every time I walk by it, you know what goes in my head? I think memory stick. I'm not going in there. <laughs> <laughs> memory stick and the A track, you know, music format that was trying to kill MP3. That's what I think about and I walk away. I don't know. Joseph, what is this the first step that we're going to see? Are we going to see maybe a Nikon coming up next with a Nikon series of stores? Well, I'm sure or... everybody's going to be watching this to see how successful it is. Um, certainly yeah. this isn't going to go unnoticed. I think that if it's just about coming into play with Canons, then you know, y'all could be right. It's not going to go very far. It'll be, it'll be quiet after not too long, just like a Sony store. Mm-hmm. But they do talk about having the classrooms and the photo studio in there. right? So if you've... If you turn it into this social environment, photographers like to hang out with other photographers and talk, whether it's online or in person. Yeah. It's great, whether it's a workshop or just an evening seminar or just, you know what, I'm gonna, I got an hour to kill. I'm going to go down and grab a coffee, you know, set up a coffee shop inside, a little cafe. People sit around and talk about photography. And you got all the photography magazines there to pick from and photography books. And mm-hmm. people can just you know, shoot the stuff about photo. Yeah. That could be kind of cool. It makes it a bit more social. That could be quite interesting. We'll see what they do with it. If it's that's a just lot of money for Canon. social, though, I mean, that's yeah, a lot it's of money. a lot of money to, in order to to. I'm just trying to figure out what it adds to their brand if they're not actually well, right. selling anything there as well. And yeah. uh, I, I'm with you, Joseph. There's value, but I just don't know if it's the right way to go about it. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, I'd be better off. I don't a, know if I'd want to pay for it though. They'd be better off putting yeah. a display in Starbucks or something. <laughs> you know, and say, hey, here's some Canon cameras. 
I don't know. I don't know. But the other cool thing I was reading here that um, they partnered with 500picks.com to have local galleries inside the store. So that's kind of cool to bring sort of the the virtual world in and, you know, the curated images from 500 picks can't be bad at all. So, sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. So and and 500 picks is, is a Canadian company as well. And, uh, and this, uh, this first store, this first Canon experience center is, uh, is opening up in, uh, in Canada, in Calgary. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there's a bit of a connection there. They're probably going to be working together, but I just don't know how much uh, effort. Like, if they have 20 stores, then is do they have somebody at, at 500 PX working on curating 20 separate galleries and f- making sure that the photographer is local to wherever that particular store is? It just seems like it it could logistically fall apart. It's a great idea to start with, but you know, give it three months, and and I hope it's still going. Yeah. Well, you you say that. I think I would say. I don't think it's a great idea to start with, <laughs> but give it three months and we'll see if it's still going. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll check back in. We'll be around. They may not be, but we will. Um, all right. So this next story that I want to chat about, guys, is this. I just saw this today and I retweeted it because I saw or I reposted it on Google Plus because uh, I saw Scott Kilby had men- was mentioned. In it. in fact, it was a Scott Kilby post that I reposted and it's from Google. So Google listed, let's, let's read this so I don't mess it up. Um, it's Google's list of the photographers who generate the most results in online searching. Right. So, and there's a bunch of names on there that I don't know and a bunch that I do know, but reading this list, there's some omissions on here and I wanted to throw it to you guys. Don, I want to throw it to you first. So looking at this, looking at this list, are the 16 people that are at the top, are they surprising to you or how do you feel about it? Uh, some of them are. As some of them are names that I recognize and I respect and, and they mm-hmm. should definitely be there. But there's a lot of names on there, especially high ranking names that I didn't necessarily even recognize. Yeah. Maybe it's just my field of photography or uh, you know, my area that I pursue. These names don't come up very often. And then I started to think, well, this is a list of seven or sixteen uh, photographers on here, and uh, that's sort of an odd number to uh, to start with, anyhow. And uh, I was looking at at the, at the rankings and th- thinking to myself, well, these numbers seem a little bit out of whack. Like, I think that the number one person on there is David Bailey, and I tried to type in his name in quotes, and it didn't come up nearly to the fifty million that that they associated. Mm-hmm. And then I took a look at the, the bottom of this list, and I was just trying to pick it apart and, and have mm-hmm. some fun with it. And I think that the bottom name on the list was um, uh, Lara Jade, and I typed that in without quotes in it, and it came up to the number that they that they that they displayed. I think at two point one million or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and that means that uh, any Laura or any Jade spelled in the same ways uh, would have come up as it doesn't have to be that person, right? So two point oh. one million results, unless you put the quotes around it. When you do that, Frederick, I found this out. And I thought it was kind of fun that um, if you put your name in quotes, mm. you beat some of these people. You should be on that list, Frederick. Mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worthy. <laughs> What I'm finding you know, funny but, that you're saying that I had to try this out. I typed my own name in without quotes and then with quotes and with quotes, it's four times as much as it is without. With quotes? Yes. It's <laughs> just completely backwards. That's oh, weird. that's Google for you. I have no idea how. Yeah. Uh, yeah see, that's just a, but the, time, but the whole thing to wrap the, to sort of put a bow on this thing, this is like you're saying, Don, this is results. If I have more results than some people on that list, I would say everybody on that list is a better photographer than I am. Right. So, I would I would look at that list and think, okay, are they doing this math specifically by numbers or is there a way that they could cut it so that activity online is factored in or your popularity of your images or something? Because numbers don't really mean anything. You could put a bot out there and generate a million pages with your name in it tomorrow, right? Exactly. So, uh, and if you've got like a, a huge number of uh, followers on Twitter or Google Plus or anything like that, that won't be reflected within these results. Uh, so your reach is really not calculated properly by any given metric. You'd have to combine things together, and depending on how you do that, it's always going to favor one person or another. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily reflect, uh, reflect the quality of work that they do. So I, I look at this list, and, and I see that these are great photographers, mm-hmm. but I don't know if they are c- the currently going best photographers uh, that are out there on the internet right now, uh, interacting and, and showing off their work and creating some masterpieces. Yeah, so so Joseph, looking at this 
looking at the title to this story, Google's top 16 most popular photographers online. So how could they reword that to make it accurate? Well, I, mean, I think that <laughs> I wasn't no, looking for a softer word. No, but I think that wording is very well chosen to be accurate because it is most popular popularity based off of number of links pointing to them. That's basically what that is. It's not mm. best photographers. It's not most qualified. It's not most interesting. It's simply most popular based off of Google ranking. Maybe they, yeah. if they switch it around, they say the top 16 most popular photographers on Google, right? Cause yeah, it could be interesting to run the test on Bing or, or Yahoo or one of these other exactly. things and see exactly. what happens, too. Because it's a big yeah. world out there. You know, Google is, is a 900-pound gorilla, but there are other gorillas out there. <laughs> <laughs> and well, what's interesting, too, is I find that some of the photographers on this list, you know, it just take Ansel Adams, for example, uh, he never had any social presence on the internet by his own virtue. I mean, uh, he was well before that era of technology, but he's being talked about quite a bit. So mm -hmm. you can say that because he's not actively pursuing uh, all of this traffic to his name, that he may be, uh, you know, just by... But by, by, by the fact that he's uh, he's passed on and, and all of his work sort of survives past uh, past that and well onto the internet, that he's doing far better than a lot of the other people on that sure. list. Uh, and depending on how long you've been a photographer, would also affect uh, where you show up online too. So it's uh, it's kind of some some fuzzy logic in there, but uh, it, it's a good list, and everybody should go check it out. And you'll if you don't recognize any any names on there, dig deeper into them. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's some great photographic works that I hadn't seen that I was exposed mm -hmm. to today when I looked up the story. So it's it's yeah. worth checking out. Yeah, all said and done, it's a it's a good place to start a discovery, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Don, your your main point though about the quotes is really the key, and I think that the original writer of this list um, needs to be slapped for that because that is it makes a huge huge difference. Yeah. It certainly does. And like especially because I think David Bailey coming up number one, that's a very common first name and a very common last name. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you get somebody that, uh, that if you put quotes on that, that number gets cut by, by a huge margin. So mm -hmm. uh, slap on the wrist, but go check it out. Yeah. yeah. Check it out with a grain of salt. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff, guys. Um, okay. Story number three is we just want to do a quick social media update. But before we do that, I want to talk about the, uh, the Facebook Graph search. Have you guys have you seen the news on that? I looked it up. It looked interesting. Um, yeah. Although some of the the information that they were throwing out there uh, in the article that, uh, that that we've linked to here in our show notes, um, it, it says you know it, you could type in anything that you want. You could say show photographs of my friends uh, before 1990, and you get to see them when they're uh, when they're younger and when they're kids and all that. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm trying to figure out how they categorize that because if I were to take a photograph of myself, you know, as, as an infant, and post that on uh, on Facebook, I don't have any exit data associated with that photograph. There's no date in which it was taken, unless I specify that. That information might be missing and missing from Facebook's uh, search algorithm. Right. So it's it's interesting to try and figure out. Well, maybe they can recognize if it's well, a picture of me. You, you would specify it. But I, I'm tr I was trying to figure out if I didn't, could they figure it out? So, like, let's say if, if I was tagged as being that person and Facebook could detect that it was an infant and Facebook knows the date that, uh, the, the day that I was born, then Facebook might be able oh. to put those pieces still together because they've got a lot of information about you. That and they might really be able scary. to figure out roughly how old you were in the picture, roughly what year it was taken. And so it was kind of scary when I got down thinking about <laughs> it, Facebook... how much information they actually have. Then Facebook would need to send back an Android into the past to kill the future, the youth, so that you... <laughs> Skynet, it I'm afraid. I'm afraid. <laughs> and you can't even delete your Facebook account. It's exactly. Scary. God, God. Joseph, have you, have you seen this? Did you, did you see did. The, the article? Yeah, I watched their, uh, their demo video. Uh, did you get all excited and like, oh, I got to go jump on Facebook now? Off really... I did. I did. I went and I tried to search, and then I said, "Oh, beta thing, not really active." Dang. Yeah. Um, it looks really cool. I, I, you know, look, our our whole existence is online these days. Everything we do is online, and trying to protect your privacy is almost a, it's, you know, it's almost a moot point at this point. You know, who are you protecting it from? Um, I'm not putting my credit card numbers on Facebook, but the pictures of me and where I like to eat, all that stuff is interesting to your circle of friends, and to be able to search like that, I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. I do. So you're you're the anti-curmudgeon here, huh? Yeah, man, I'm I'm gonna go for it. I signed. I click the "Let me know when I can play" button, and we'll see what happens. I'd I'd love to give it a go. It's interesting because you can put in natural language. I love how everything things are going natural language now. Yeah. So you can type in, 
you know, how many of my friends, or show me my friends based in the Oregon area that are above this age or within this age range that like Sex in the City, you know, that kind of thing, right. and then get a list of those people and then narrow it down because then it'll display a bar to allow you to narrow that down even further. So that's interesting. That's interesting. I just not, I'm not quite sold on how it relates to this week in photo, but it's, it's still interesting. <laughs> And it's scary to think, too, that if they've got this technology that they're rolling out to every user of uh, Facebook because of their uh, their vast information that they have on all of us, imagine what tools they have behind the scenes for advertisers that could mm. potentially want to exploit all of that information as well. So, yes. Um, it gets well, a it's scary. kind of the reverse. It's kind of the reverse of the advertising technology that they have because they could all, already drill down to, you know, show me all the females in this zip code that have said they like this particular thing in this window of time with four or more female friends. You know, you could you could do that kind of targeting with Facebook ads today. So it sounds like they're just they're flipping it and putting a more consumer UI on it. I don't know. Interesting times. I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm getting old. See, I'm becoming a curmudgeon. See, in my mm-hmm. day, we had libraries, and we liked it. <laughs> it's all over. It's all over. It's downhill from here. All right, guys, I'm going to do a quick mention of our sponsor, our wonderful sponsor, Joseph. Thank you for talking about him at the beginning of the show. But uh, the uh, sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo is Squarespace. The new Squarespace has officially launched, and it's geared towards photographers to help make your portfolio pop. They've got completely new design templates which showcase your photos in a gallery, a collage, or even a slideshow. And with the drag-and-drop interface, it's easier than ever before to create that stunning website, blog, or online portfolio. Content automatically resizes itself and restructures to fit on smaller browser windows or pretty much any device. Plus, you can pull your content in from your blogs and push it back out to your social networks. And you can jump in with no resistance. You don't even need a credit card to try it out. Just go over to squarespace.com slash TWIP and start your trial. And be sure to use the offer code TWIP1 when you purchase for a 10% discount. That's squarespace.com slash TWIP and use the offer code TWIP1 for 10% off. All right, and that was a quick ad about Squarespace.com. So back to that that topic that we were talking about, guys. Um, Instagram has put their terms of service in the kiln, so to say, so to speak, right? So they had all that kerfluffle about the the words that they had in there. People were dropping off the service left and right, knee-jerk reaction, in my opinion. Um, and now they've finally released the full official terms of service and made it real. What does it mean, Don? Should we be afraid? Should we run for the hills or what? Well, yes. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, if, if you look at this, it, it, you take a look at the numbers, and, and they're, um, they're yeah, yeah, constantly yeah, going down. But their, their language hasn't changed substantially. They did get some of the scary language out of there, but they're still allowing people to come in and, uh, and like third-party licensing and all of that stuff that's outside of your control. Yeah. And maybe they need it, maybe they don't, but it's not spelled out in a way that would make me feel comfortable. Like it doesn't, in, like, in English, you mean? It, uh, yes, uh, yeah. but it, more than that, in, in a way that shows very clear limitations in the language mm-hmm. and spells out exactly what the uses could possibly be for. And you know what? If they want to change those uses down the road, then revise your terms of service. But spell it out and don't leave things vague and open to interpretation. Yeah. Uh, the more solid that is, the more comf- comfortable I feel uh, using a service like Instagram. Uh, so I'm still not completely comfortable. It, it, it's better, but I, I don't post anything on Instagram, and even if I did, it wouldn't be anything that I put a lot of effort into creating. It would be just cell phone snapshots and putting a filter on it and having some fun with it. And I really wouldn't care too much what Instagram does with that, if anything at all, if they wanted to. So I wouldn't personally be afraid because I wouldn't be putting anything of my, you know, my masterpieces or any of my favorite um, images up there. So yeah, yeah, do what they want with what people put on there, but just know that anything you put anywhere on the internet could end up somewhere without your knowledge and most likely will, uh, whether it's legal for people to do so or not, your stuff's going to end up different places. If you put it online, Joseph, I know you're an avid Instagram user. 
What? Yeah, you, we haven't talked since this, the whole thing went down. So where did you stand then? Where do you stand now? At okay. that moment when everybody was panicking, I will admit that I looked at an alternative. I looked at the new Flickr because right about the same time Flickr released their new version of the app, and I played with it. And um, you know, it's all fine, but I, I I didn't jump ship, and I'm glad that I didn't because they obviously they came out later and said, "Oh, that's not what we meant," and people are just panicking. You know, like you said, Don, at the end of the day, your stuff's going to be online, and one way or another, people are going to get their hands on it, and if they want to do something with it, they shouldn't, they're going to do it. So I don't put you know, my best work on there either. It's all pretty much all iPhone pictures. Sometimes I'll send a, a, a better camera photo over to it to share, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's just, it's just for fun and a little bit of marketing and self-promotion and that sort of thing. And that's what it is. I'm, I'm just not going to worry about it that much. Yeah. I'm more concerned about once it gets onto Facebook, obviously Instagram's owned by Facebook, but their terms are different. So I'm a little bit more concerned about it once it gets on Facebook. But you know what? I like having a picture on Facebook that people can comment on, not a link that people have to click on and then don't comment on or don't even click on the link. Mm. So like you said, it's not your best work. I'm not going to worry about it too much. Yeah, someone wrote an article that I, that I liked. It was, I forget who it was, and I apologize to you if you were watching this, but it was basically it was the gist of drawing the picture that nothing is free and that these free services that you sign up for and enjoy and then start complaining when they do things that you don't like, you're paying for it with your attention and your account and you're, you're part of their revenue model. <laughs> so, you know, and then we, we complain, like, it's like, we're staying, we're staying in a friend's guest room and then complaining because he didn't paint the room the right color. You know, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> kind of weird. I don't know. All right. Uh, Earlier this week, I had a chance to sit down with Ian Stone. He's the director of marketing over at uh, Zenfolio. We had a nice conversation about their recent acquisition by Art.com. Ian's a character. So if you're listening to this on audio, be sure to head over to the website, to thisweekinphoto.com website, and watch the interview as well. But he has some pretty interesting things to say in this audio piece, too. So give it a listen. I'm here with Mr. Ian Stone. He's the director of business management over at Zenfolio. So I've known Ian for a while, and when the news of the acquisition that broke, broke last week, I was like, okay, i got to call up Ian, and we have to find out what's going on and pass that along to the This Week in Photo watchers and listeners. So Ian agreed to come on in this Google Hangout and kind of let us know what's going on from the inside of Zenfolio outward. So, Ian, welcome to This Week in Photo. Thanks. Good to be back. It, it's good to have you back. Hey, man, I, before we start, what's up with that phone? What, <laughs> what do you mean? It's a phone. It's, I, it's you know, uh, I'm a little old school in my methods. What can I say? But You, you got know. a rotary? You guys, I mean, after this big acquisition, at least they could afford to get you, like, push-button phones, right? Now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could... We could, but I, I, you know, I, I push that all away. I, I, I like my old school technology, there and you, you know, luckily it interfaces with Google. You know, it, somehow uh, it works. Yeah, yeah, somehow it works. Uh, you know, those those guys over there, they're they're magicians. So they're on top of it. So let, let's let's <laughs> dive in. So I've got art.com site up here. Yeah. Um, and for the folks that may not have heard, Zenfolio, the company that you direct business management for has been acquired into the art.com family. What does that mean? Like what is it a partnership? Is it an acquisition? What what exactly is it? Sure. Well, it's actually an acquisition. Um, art.com sees themselves as sort of the leader in art, essentially putting art on your wall, whether it's uh, you know, canvas art or framed art or anything. Um, you know, they serve millions and millions of consumers each year. Uh, with options for decorating their homes. Mm -hmm. And they see photography as sort of a, a piece of that. And photographers, you know, they sell their work, and ultimately, you know, some get printed in, in books, some get put, uh, you know, tacked up in cubicles, but a lot of this stuff gets framed and hung on people's walls, especially when you talk about the, the canvas prints and the larger format prints. You know, this is stuff that, that people are buying for their homes. Yeah. So art.com, you know, they saw us as, as a leader in the space in, you know, in photography, in 
providing photographers with storefronts, you know, a place to sell their work, not only to their clients, but their clients, f friends, family, etc. people who are putting these images on their walls. So, you know, they, they love our company, they love our mission, and um, they, they thought of us as a great way to, to get into this space without doing it themselves. Yeah. Um, so so, they, so yeah. they, instead of building it, they just said, hey, uh, Zinfolio's there, let's just put them inside the company, and boom, we have instant competency for this particular type of need in the company, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay, so, so then, you know, they they kind of see us as experts in the photo space. They love what we're doing, and they love, you know, our our sort of look and and feel. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was a good fit in that regard. So, what was what was behind want, not wanting to stay independent? Because from my perspective, you guys are doing great, you know, on your own. I, of course, I have no insight into the numbers or anything, but it looked like from a consumer standpoint that there was like. You know the one-two punch choice, or maybe the three punch if you include Pictage of mm -hmm. Smug Mug Zinfolio Pictage. What? What? Why lose your independence and go become part of someone else? Uh, well, the thing is, we're we're not really losing our independence. You know, it's it's a funny funny way for you to put it as you know losing our independence, so to speak. Um, if anything, uh, it's it's only going to strengthen our company because mm -hmm. you know now we've got this this financial backing of a much larger company, and um, you know it'll it'll afford us the ability to to continue our growth in the same trajectory it has been. But um, you know I I don't necessarily think of it that way. I think of it as as a positive thing and you know something where you know down the road we'll possibly be able to benefit from some of their connections some of their resources maybe even some of their technologies but um, you know as I know it they're gonna keep us independent so we will remain independent we will remain Zenfolio we will remain on Zenfolio.com we'll continue serving our customers just as we have been listening to different feature requests and you know innovating continuing to innovate and coming up with new things that photographers need as the industry changes, as the industry shifts, we're going to be there to, to continue doing our thing. And, you know, one thing that art.com has said is, is they, they don't want to disrupt this. You know, they, they know that we're experts. They know that we have our pulse on photographers and, and the market. So, you know, they, they bought that that knowledge, but they're not necessarily looking to come in and, and change it and tell us, oh, you know, this is how things should be run. So from that perspective, you know, we will remain independent and we will remain committed to continuing to develop new features, to continue to develop, you know, new partnerships yeah. and new relationships out there in the industry that are going to benefit photographers like you. And what what kind of what kind of cool things might we see? Or let's take a, there's two pieces of this question. There's the the part of your you are inside Zenfolio. Like, what kind of changes will you see internally? Will it mean like okay, a new HR department and our HR department goes away? Um, so structural internal company changes like that. What what is that? Mean? Right. No, it's interesting that you asked that question because you know during a, an acquisition such as this, it's always a thought. Oh, who's going to get fired? You know, right. who's going to get replaced? What, mm -hmm. You know, how's this going to go? Um, Art.com is located in Emeryville. They've got a big building there that overlooks the Bay Bridge. Uh, it's an amazing spot. Uh, we're down in the peninsula. Bit you know a bit ways away, you know, maybe 30, 40 miles away. And, um, you know, they've made the decision to keep us here in this office, to keep us running the way we've been running. You know, again, they don't want to disrupt our innovation. They don't want to disrupt us from our daily business activities, which is, you know, focusing on photographers' needs, focusing on the professional market, putting our attention into trade shows and marketing. Um, you know, this isn't something they're going to come in and try and revamp. Good. So we're going to stay in our office, you know, where there's no major changes like that. There's no, there's no going to, not going to be any personnel changes or HR changes or anything like that. So, uh, everyone who else listening out there that works for Zenfolio, no worries. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. 
it's, you're not going to start 2013 off with uh, a polishing of your resume, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think uh, everyone here is very, you know, excited about this, and I think it's only going to mean good things for the future of, of cool. the company and for our customers because, you know, ultimately this will help us with resources and, and, and able to do more things for you guys. Well, what about, let's talk about that just the, as we close this off, the customers, right? So what, what can the customers expect going for you? said, you know, before you alluded to the fact that there, you know, there's more resources and, you know, you, you guys are going to be able to do a lot more than you did before, not opening the kimono too wide, but what are some things that we might see change uh, over the coming months or years? Well, I mean, that's that's to, remains to be seen. But one thing that I can guarantee is that we are committed to the product and committed to continuing to develop the product just as we have been and supporting our users throughout the process. Uh, you know, in terms of the resources, I'm not sure how that's going to affect, you know, the future. I don't know what new features are going to come out because of this. But, it, you know, I know that... It, that uh, people out there can feel confident that we're not going anywhere mm-hmm. and that we're not going to, you know, change our direction. We are committed to the pro space and we are committed to, you know, continuing to, to develop features that, uh, that, uh, you know, make sense for our user base. Yeah. And then the last thing is, um, in terms of like the overall communication out to the user base and, and letting folks know, I saw the, the news broke on my radar. I think I saw, I don't know where I saw it, but I saw one of the sites had had reported on the acquisition happening. But I hadn't heard anything from Zenfolio yet. Was that strategic, not letting the users know first, or did it leak? What what was the, what happened there? Um, I'm not too sure. I, I think there might have only been a day or two in between those. Yeah, I think it was like a, two... it was like a day. I think yeah. Yeah, you know, when it comes to our our client messages, it just it it took us a day to kind of put that together and get it out. Um, I don't think there was any, you know, intent either way in, yeah. in a decision on when to time that message. You know, we, uh, we wanted to let our users know, and I'm not sure if you got the email and read it, but it was, it was, you know, simple email letting people know this happened yeah. and that there is going to be no change in our business. We're going to continue on as usual, supporting our customers, um, in, in any and every way possible. You know, we value our customers that we have. We'll continue to value them and support them. Um, you know, whether they're a new customer or legacy customer, we, uh, we, we feel very honored to have uh, such a great user base and we'll continue to, continue to um, work to support them and make them successful. So no no changes in pricing or anything like either up or down, right? It's just still smooth sailing business as usual. Smooth sailing business as usual, yeah. Okay, very cool. Yeah. All right, Ian. Well, anything else you want to add on before we hang up? I think I got everything I need. No, I mean I I think that's great info. Definitely, uh, if any of you out there are listening, come come visit us at some of the upcoming trade shows. We'll be at uh, Imaging USA here in Atlanta coming up this weekend. WPPI uh, next month and uh, focus on imaging in the UK. Well, thank you, man. And I will, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll pass this along to the TWIP army. Some of them are watching right now as we do this live. And, um, you know, we'll see what the feedback is. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. You can learn more about Ian by visiting his website over at ianstone.zinfolio.com. That's his personal Zinfolio site. Or, of course, if you learn about Zinfolio, just head over to art.com. No, I'm kidding. Zinfolio.com. <laughs> head over to Zinfolio.com. All right, guys, this is my favorite time of the show. It's time for some listener Q&A. This is, when, uh, this is where you guys get to answer questions that have come in from the audience. It's been at the top of things that have been on the top of their minds. The first question is from Andrew McDonald, and he says, let me read this. He says, I'm trying to touch up an old panoramic photo, and I'm wondering if there are any resources on the web about the best process or some tips or techniques you could recommend to make it look great. I don't have any, I don't have the negatives, only a faded print. I've done a bit of research and have not found what I was looking for. Joseph, what should Andrew <laughs> McDonald do to take this messed up faded print with no negative from zero to hero? 
Well, I'm going to I'm going to throw in a plug here for the training company that I do a lot of stuff for, Video to Brain. I just yeah. typed in retouching into their search box to see 16 different courses came up that mention retouching. Now, I don't know um, I should have looked up this up before. I don't know that any way this is really dedicated to retouching, but here's one with uh, a Wacom Masterclass on photo imaging and editing and things like that. And I think that basically, you know, you probably can find, I would imagine, a video that is dedicated to that. But at the end of the day, it's one of those things where no one can show you how to fix this crack, how to fix this particular blemish. You need to learn the techniques so that you can then take those techniques and apply them to this job. Yeah. You know, it's like that nobody teaches you how to make a right turn from First Street onto Main Street. They teach you how to make a right turn. You've got to figure out how to watch for the pedestrians and everything else. Nice. So you just got to, you know, you take the basic knowledge and put it together. There's so much online learning, both free and paid, that you can find on retouching, basic retouching to super advanced retouching. I really, uh, I, I think that that's just the way to go is just learn the basics and then apply the knowledge. Totally. And I, and for, for this, for Andrew McDonald, I would suggest searching for restoration as well. So retouching and restoration, that sounds like what you're looking for. Retouching is going to be more leaning towards um, beautification of models and that sort of thing. Whereas restoration is when you recreate a photo that's been damaged, like the one it sounds like that you have done. What about you? Any, any thoughts on how to get your brain around the restoration slash retouching space? Well, the restoration thing is a little bit interesting because um, if you've got like an old panorama and it's a true panorama where you've got like two different negatives that have been combined together to create a print. Um, I've got a couple of these kicking around here uh, that my dad and my grandpa did in years past and they're never aligned quite properly. Yeah. Uh, so you might have this same issue with the, the, the print that you've got and, and you can do all the retouching stuff and everything uh, to help fix that alignment issue as well. Or you can uh, uh, like split it back up into its two separate parts and then automatically just readjust the horizons if they're slightly uh, crooked by uh, maneuvering and then reblending everything back together. So there's all sorts of Photoshop stuff. And like uh, you and Joseph said, th there are tutorials online that will cover uh, restoration and that will cover retouching. And all of these things, you just have to sit through a bunch of it and you might spend an hour and you get five minutes of useful information that applies just to this specific thing. You've just got to go out there and find it. Uh, there may be a very specific tutorial just on this, uh, but if, if you're having trouble finding it, then it's probably because you've got to sift through the, the whole bulk of knowledge, and you'll be better off because of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Joseph, you got something up on the screen. I now, do. I threw something on screen. You said restoration, so I put that keyword into Video to Brain, and there is a title titled Photo Restoration in Photoshop, Bring Look Old Photos Back to Life. So there you go, $34.99 from Video to Brain. Just go to videotobrain.com, type in restoration to the keyword, and that is exactly what you are looking for, Andrew. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Two hours and it's three hours long. Uh, yeah, two, yeah, there you go. Oh, three by Tim long. Gray, too. Tim's awesome. Yeah, and Tim's yeah. great. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. So. All right. Well, thanks for finding that, Joseph. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff. I love, you know, I, I say it all the time on the show, but just the all the stuff that you can do now when you get get a wild hair in your head about some different photographic technique that you want to try to get your brain around, you could just sit at home or somewhere else on a device and learn about it. I love that. I'm this, it just, yeah. I get tickled every time I think about that. It's pretty awesome. All right, question number two. Ron Heyman says, can you recommend a compact point-and-shoot camera with settings for techniques such as varying depth of field, backlight compensation, um, black and white mode, touchscreen menu, etc.? This would serve as my backup camera, and my price range is under $275. Hmm. Does such a thing exist, Don Komarichka? You know, I did some research earlier, and I'm, I was trying to think of what, what great pocket point-and-shoots would have all these features, and all of them came up pretty much above his price point. Mm -hmm. You know, even looking at something like the uh, the Canon S90, if you can get one of those, that's going to still hit over $400. And uh, that might be outside of your price range to get all of those features. Uh, yeah. If you're looking for a point-and-shoot, you're also not going to find any uh, point-and-shoot cameras that will give you an appreciable control over depth of field because the sensor inside the camera is just too small. Yeah. So even if you've got the money to spend on one of these, it might not hit all of your uh, feature specs. 
I'm going to say if, if you're looking for something, look possibly invest a little bit more, get something a little bit bigger, save up, uh, you know, put some more pennies in the piggy bank. And uh, whatever camera manufacturer, I don't think they, that he says uh, what his regular camera gear is. No, but he didn't say if, uh, if you're Canon, you know, take a look at the EOS M as a backup and you can maybe use your existing lenses. Or uh, if, like I, I've got a, and, and very few people uh, are this way, but I've got a friend of mine that shoots with um, an Olympus E5, mm-hmm. and they're looking at getting one of the micro four-thirds cameras because they can use all of their regular four-thirds lenses on the smaller body. And uh, if you're looking at a backup system, but you still want all the versatility of your main gear, and the backup is because if your main camera body dies, you want a replacement, look at something that'll still take those lenses and put a bit more cash into it. Yeah. Joseph, would, would it make sense for, for Ron Heyman to maybe think used? Well, that's something? exactly what I was going to say. Is if he really is looking for a backup camera, but that's his price range, then yeah, go used. Um, I don't think he doesn't say, yeah, he doesn't say what his camera system is, but let's just say it's Canon. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can pick up a Canon 20D for a couple hundred within that price range. And that's not an amazing camera by today's standards, but you know what? That was my first Canon DSLR, mm-hmm. and it's not bad. You know, it's a pretty decent little camera. And if you can get a used body for really cheap, then that's a great way to go. If he wants the compact camera because he wants the compact pocket camera, uh, for that price range, you know, like you said, there's not a whole lot of control, uh, not a whole lot of options out there at that cost. But if it's about control and adjustments and black and white mode and things like that, um, you know, get an iPhone with a ton of apps on it. So there's that option. And... There's this other option that uh, it's not anywhere in the notes here, but I wanted to bring up this new Canon PowerShot N that they advertise or mm-hmm. launched at CES. You guys seen that? Mm-hmm. This whole social mm-hmm. sharing filters built into it. It's got all kinds of cool controls over it. That's going to be under three hundred dollars, according to uh, according to the news on that. So yeah. that's at the top of its price range there. But you know, again, it's not a pro camera, but it's going to have the touch screen. It's going to have the black and white modes. Black and white comp- or backlight compensation, that's just being able to over and under expose the shot, so you can do that with anything. Yeah. Pretty much the only thing you may miss is true depth of field, and it doesn't have a, a whole lot of aperture control, but yeah, that just ain't going to happen at a cheap camera. So Until the physics of light change, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm working yeah. on that. <laughs> yeah. So so on this slight tangent on this, I'm just curious from the both of you, one site that I haven't been on in a long, long time is eBay. You know, and I, I haven't purchased anything off eBay. I haven't sold anything on eBay. I got things that I need to, um, but I haven't. Um, I've used Gazelle, but I haven't used eBay. Have you? Have you guys been using eBay at all? I bought a couple of cheap little things on eBay. Um, I bought a set of close-up filters uh, just as a classroom demonstration tool, and and they were pretty good as far as what they are. I got a set of four or five of them for twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. And if you go to the the you know the retail stores or whatever, you pay a heck of a lot more. So there is still some bargains that can be found. Um, I'm always a little bit weary about buying a used camera if I can't get it in my hands to begin with because you never know uh, how the descriptions might differ from uh, what you actually receive. You don't want one uh, that was surfing with somebody, right? It, well, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you, yeah. The, the, lens comes, uh, the lens comes in and out, but the, the screen in the back is all full of water. So, right, right. Um, it, it's, it's interesting when, when you mention eBay, Frederick, and I think that it's something that he could look at, but buyer beware. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think I think what scared me away from eBay, I may go back, was last time I put something up for sale there was I got I got just inundated with these Nigerian scammer things and yeah, all this um, stuff. And I was just like, you know what? I'll keep it. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't need that money that much. I'll just keep it and look at it. You know, it becomes an artifact. Joseph, have you had that experience at all? Uh, no, not with the scammers. Um, I haven't used eBay much, but I actually did just use it to sell off a couple things. Sold. I got an iPhone 5, and I sold my old iPhone 4, not even the 4S, the 4. Nice. How'd and that go I for you? S- it went great. I sold it for more than what I paid for my iPhone 5. Nice. Yeah, so, you know, that's not too shabby. It's unlocked, right. of course, because it's out of contract, so that worked out pretty well. I got um, to get back into it. And I have bought a few things. You know, you were talking about the cheap camera stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really good deals. It's kind of like going into the back streets of Hong Kong looking for cheap camera accessories because that's where a lot of that stuff is coming from. And it may take a couple weeks to get to you, but if you're not in a super rush, you don't need that Amazon overnight shipping, um, you can definitely find some good deals. And, you know, just... That's the nice thing about eBay with all the ratings on there. You can rate the sellers, and you'll see right away if someone's got a crap rating. But if they've got a really high rating and 500,000 people have rated on them, well, then, you know, they're probably okay. Probably okay. Use the crowd, right? Use the wisdom of the crowd. Yep. Yep. 
All right, guys, let's move into the picks of the week. Another one of my favorite segments. This is where you guys get to pick anything and recommend it to the TWIP audience as long as it is somehow related to photography. Joseph, I'll give you the honors first since you haven't been on in a while. What's your pick oh, yeah. of the week? Thank you very much. So um, I'm going to use this for a totally shameless self-promotion here. Um, <laughs> I, used ever... a different, I used a different term before we started the show, but we won't go there. You did. You did. <laughs> and it's not – you haven't hijacked my lower third to put that in, so I guess I'm okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think as most of the listeners know, I also run the website ApertureExpert.com, and I have a training from that is sold by Video to Brain for Aperture called Work Like a Pro Photographer in Aperture 3. And that is coming up, I'm probably a year and a half old now. I just released a new update, uh, kind of an add-on, an addendum class to it. It's a Aperture 3.3 slash 3.4 new features workshop because quite a few things changed in 3.3. So this is a lower cost workshop. It's only an hour long. And if you own, if you bought the previous version, you can get a discount on the new one as well. Just head over to Aperture Expert and look for the post on that. But uh, but yeah, there's uh, it's a nice little wrap up workshop, and I have other photo related workshops on there as well, like a Nick Creative workshop that you may want to check out. So, so Joseph, uh, Joseph, you mentioned you mentioned yourself being the aperture expert, and I can't let this show go by without asking you where the heck four? is the Fantastic Four? I mean, <laughs> you know what's so funny is uh, so I released this training right. I'm mean, now recorded this I guess late last year, and of course it takes time to edit and put together and get out, and it just was released this week. Um, so I sent out my newsletter to all my, all my folks about it. So why would I release this now? I said, you know what? It's kind of like when you want it to rain, you wash your car. When you want your food to come in the restaurant, get up and go to the bathroom. That's when things happen. So I figure if I release a training, a brand new training video on Aperture 3, 4 is going to come out next week. That's can, I tell, I can I tell you how sad and pathetic that sounds? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Grasping at straws here. Well, yeah, why don't you go do a little aperture dance in the backyard and maybe it'll drop out of the sky. Maybe it will. But as you well know, I am a huge supporter of the current version of Aperture and yes. the, the fact that it Do you have a choice? What, what's the alternative, Joseph? No, no, no. The fact that it wasn't a, a version 4, it's, you know, for the large part, it's just a number. Version 3.3 got a huge amount of features and all the Aperture users got it for free. And that's really what it comes down to. So, okay, so here, here's Aperture could it, be version three point five, right? Because we aren't there yet. Yeah, and it could be what the four is that everybody wants. But by making it a three point five, it's free for. So, what users. about this? Here's a, here's a different a different take on this. The we we all heard a couple months ago or whatever I forget how long it was ago, but the the management shakeup at Apple, and we know how different things are tied to different things there. Where where does Aperture sit in the okay, it's going to be around for a while longer pipeline at Apple. I mean, like, I know, I know this is a loaded question because you're the Aperture expert and you don't, I know you wouldn't say anything to kind of derail it, but honestly, are people that are looking at the Lightroom ecosphere and the Aperture ecosphere and what Adobe's doing and what Apple's doing and where their focuses tend, seem to be at this moment, is Aperture going to be around in six months? Well, yeah. Uh, there, to me, there's absolutely no question of that. And okay. the big reason for that's that, what I want to hear because yeah. we need we need uh, you know every good story needs a protagonist and an antagonist. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the the biggest reason for that, and this is one I've I've hit on over and over again, when when Apple launched both Retina display uh, PowerBooks or uh, PowerBooks, geez, MacBook Pros, yeah. um, the television ads for those, all the advertising featured Aperture. That right, I mean, that says it right there. Apple's not going to put uh, yeah. a piece of software that they're about to kill in a multi-million-dollar ad campaign. It just doesn't make sense. Mm. So, no, it, it's unless it's, they're trying to throw you off the scent. <laughs> right, because that's exactly what they're doing. They're all, it's all they're dropping chat. That guy Joseph, that guy Joseph. We don't want him to get scared and jump ship. So here's what yeah. we'll do: we'll spend a couple million dollars. Yeah, I hope not. They've I mean, I, I really wanted to stay around. I don't know, Don. What do you think? You're you're an, you're a Photoshop Lightroom on the PC user. Yeah, so I don't have a choice. I couldn't right. use Aperture even if I wanted to. You and, could. You'd you have know, to buy a Mac. I mean, come on. Yeah, uh, that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> although it would be interesting if I could have, like, I've got an iPad. It would be great to have a version of Aperture mm-hmm. with a lot of the features on the iPad. I'd use it, mm-hmm. yeah. or at least I'd try to. Have you tried iPhoto on the iPad? I have, and it is very powerful, but it, is, uh, yeah. it, it doesn't have the, the level of, 
uh, functionality that would uh, allow me to work well on the road. Uh, I, I use Photoshop, uh, uh, Photoshop Touch, I guess, to do some basic editing and Snapseed mm-hmm. and other things. And yeah. uh, sure. Aperture uh, it, or iPhoto rather wouldn't fit into that that same workflow. Um, gotcha. But uh, who knows if if a Aperture four comes out. And it blows uh, Lightroom 4 out of the water, and it does so many things that I can't do, then you know what? I would seriously look at, at getting a Mac to do some editing on if, yeah. if I had no other choice, and it, it really made a big difference. However, I don't see them getting that much of a lead, even if they come out with a new version, sure. uh, because the two are going to be neck and neck uh, for the foreseeable future, I think. That's always the way it's going to be. I think that where Apple has the leg up is things like the iPad um, and all their other components, and if, like you said, if there's an aperture on the iPad. I know a lot of us would love to see something like that. Not because we want all the same functionality, but if I could import and do ratings and metadata editing and some basic edits to the photo and then synchronize that back to my aperture library when I get home, Man, now that's that's sweet. That would be great. Then then the then the the storage capacity issue becomes the big thing, right? Unless you have some sort of external storage for it. Yeah, but it's it's always getting cheaper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, iPad four is out now. With you can get sixty four gigs. How long is it going to be before we have one hundred twenty eight gig iPads? And right. you know, it's just that's just time. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that it's a very viable. Um, it's a very likely possibility. I think it'll happen. I think we'll see something. Hopefully, at the same time as whatever comes out, Aperture four, Aperture X, or. The new aperture. I like to say that. You know, it's all the new. Well, it, it would be wonderful. And I was trying to figure out a use case for this. And if I were to use the camera connection kit to download files, raw files from my camera to the iPad, have the iPad automatically load them up to my home computer in Aperture uh, at home, mm-hmm. and allow me to do some basic edits, do some tagging and everything, so that when I get home and I connect in the rest of everything else that I didn't. Uh, that I didn't download to the iPad, then all of the stuff that I already five-starred, that I already want to look at immediately when I sit down, it's already there and ready to go. Sure. So there are use cases for this, and uh, who knows when that'll happen. If they're looking for a point of differentiation, they've got one. Uh, but if we'll ever see it is, is the question. Yeah. Well, you've got that archive, kind of archive thing with PhotoStream, except that it's not sending the raw file. Right. It's not, and it's sending a smaller version of the file. But it is uploading your photos, the ones that you select to move into your main photo album that go to PhotoStream. It is uploading those to the cloud, and then conversely back to your computer. If it's running, if Aperture is actually launched and running, it will pull it back into Aperture. So then you've got that backup um, you know, as you go. So that part of it is kind of half there right now. Right. So the bottom line is Aperture, you heard it here, is not going away anytime soon. <laughs> and we will refer to TWIP 290 in the future, Joseph, as, if something does happen. <laughs> as you should. As you should. As we should. All right. Uh, Don Komoreska, what's your pick of the week? Well, bringing it back to what we were talking about, finding cheap stuff on eBay and all that, you could probably find one of these on eBay, uh, or you could find them on Amazon for about 7 bucks or so. Uh, this is a little tool that I use in some of my macro photography. It's got a little stand, and it has two little alligator clips and a magnifying glass. It's called a third hand or helping hands or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very helpful to position macro subjects. Like, I could hold a flower petal in one of these clips. I could hold another one in this clip, and I can dangle a water droplet off of one of them and have it refract. And the, like it's very easy to reposition things on a very small scale, and they cost less than ten bucks for one of these things. Hmm. Um, so I'd recommend anybody that wants to play around with that type of photography. This is a very helpful thing to have on your desk. I love that. Where'd you get that one from? Is it on Amazon or just? Uh, local I got that one store? off of Think Geek. Uh, however, oh. at the time of this recording, they are out of stock, but you can find a ton of them on Amazon. Think Geek is where you got it. Okay. Yep. Neat. Okay, cool. All right. I don't even Let's shoot that much macro, and I think I might get one because that might—that just seems so handy. It, it is. is cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, real quick, my pick of the week is a new toy that I got right here. Let me position my camera so I can see it. Can you guys see this? Oh, what is that? Let me rotate it. And for the people that are listening to this, I'm holding up an ominous-looking kind of smallish black box. Looks and like it has two microphones pointing in different directions. It's got two omnidirectional microphones that swivel around. And then on the back, there is a dock connector right yeah. there. Looks like an so, iPhone dock. So what this thing – and on the bottom, there's a tripod socket. And on the side, there's a tripod socket. And audio – Inputs on the bottom and headphones on the bottom and USB for charging. So what this thing does is basically give you audio for doing interviews and that sort of thing with your iPhone. So you snap your iPhone in there, kind of like that, and I have 
a recording device that I can do interviews. I can point a mic back at my face like this and one forward towards the interviewee, or I can put a lavalier mic into the bottom and mic my subject and record directly into the iPhone with, cause that's, that's the biggest thing for me is the, the audio quality doing videos with your iPhone always sucks cause the on camera mic, but you solve that with one of these things. It's called a Fostech. And I put the note in here. It's a Fostech uh, AR4i. It's about 89 bucks, and it's on Amazon. And it uh, it kind of changed the way that I do a lot of the stuff because it's it's really cool and handy. You just throw it in your bag, and it's good to go. Do they have one that works with the iPhone 5 connector? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I have an iPhone 4, so 4S. So <laughs> and AT&T says I can't get a new one until July. So. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm stuck. But yeah, so it works so far. And the, that's a good question, Don. So once the iPhone 5 comes out, Twip listeners, I will be selling this beautiful set <laughs> right for the low, low price. No, but it's it's cool. It actually works. I used it on an interview yesterday, and I used it. I went up to Yosemite, and I did some stand-up interviews or stand-up sort of man-in-the-field type things with it there, and it just it works great. It's so easy. You just slap it in there, put it on a tripod, and record and away you go. So it's very cool in the effort to be simple on things that we do. So that's my pick of the week. All right, guys, we're at the end of another episode of TWIP. Joseph Linaski, where would you like the TWIP Army to go to hang out with you online? The TWIP Army, excuse me, the TWIP Army can find me at Photo Joseph pretty much everywhere. I, uh, that's one of the little things that changed. I, Travel Junkie has been, ex, uh, been retired. Oh. So it's Photo Joseph everywhere. Photo Joseph on Twitter, Photo Joseph on uh, Facebook, on Instagram. It's everywhere. It took it took an army, but I was able to finally get Photo Joseph on Twitter. So there we go. Bravo. This Thank is you. this is the new kindler, fluffier Joseph with the beard and all that <laughs> And no more travel junkie. <laughs> Very cool. We're glad you kicked that junkie habit, man. That's no good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Don Komoresko, where can people go to keep up with you online? Uh, well, I'm most active right now on Google+, Plus, so find me there. Uh, I'm doing the Snowflake a Day project, like I mentioned, and I'll be doing that until mid-March sometime, so you get a new one of those every single day. Uh, for everything else that I do, you can check me out on my website at doncom.ca, D-O-N-K-O-M.ca, and that links to pretty much everywhere that I am on the Internet. Very good. Well, thanks, guys. And listeners, to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, you can check out thisweekinphoto.com. And please join our community on Google+. We're still trying to keep up with Don's gigantic, <laughs> insane community over there. So please join. How's that the, going, the, by the way? Uh, we're, we're growing. We're we're. I think we're at like 16 or 1,700 or something like that. I don't know. But it's growing. I think we add about 60 or so a day. Um. But yeah, join our community. We'd love to see you over there. And if you're looking for me, you can find me at frederickvan.com. And with that, guys, it is time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. 